Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. It's episode 13. I am Andrew for America. And today I'm going to read a story to you. It's story time today, people, friends, family. We're going to read a story today. And the episode, uh, this episode rather, 13, is called The Lessons of History. And if you've been listening, uh, if you've been listening to my podcasts as of late, uh, I have been talking about uh, slow usurpations uh, over time, slowly uh, getting rid of uh, the individual's freedom uh, in some respect. You know, like I, in, the, in the past, I've said like TSA, you know, now they got to screen you at the airport and then... Um, with the surveillance tech state coming in, privacy getting uh, uh, to be uh, less of, of a thing, for, um, that, which is very, very, very scary to me. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's got its positives and negatives. You know, there's a lot less crime, but there's a lot more, you know, barging into your life. Uh, you know, 1984, Surveillance State, uh, Enemy of the State, the movie I've been talking about, uh, The New World Order, uh, One World Government, you know, all this stuff is, you know, it's on, it's on the, it's on the drawing board, it's on the blueprint table, there are people that are trying to make certain things happen in this world, it's just reality, and I've kind of been talking about you know, we we got to be careful. You know, uh, I, I played my song. Uh, well, I can't remember what episode it was. Um, uh, this is how it ends, and the lyrics about uh, about that song, uh, the lyrics of that song rather, remind me a lot of this story that I'm about to tell you today. And you know, I have a line in that song that says, "You know, we better wake up from this dreamy state before it's too late." When your family's on the run, the battle has begun. A few of us are taking everything for themselves. And I can't stomach the fact we're going to let this mother go up in flames. And, you know, that's how it happens, people. Slowly, right under your nose, a little bit over time. And then before you know it, boom. You are living in a new country under new leadership. It is a new reality. Everything you thought you knew is now different. And you have no choice but to assimilate or be disposed of. The story I'm about to tell you today is about a woman named... uh, Give me one second here. Let me bring it all up. Her name is Kitty Worthman. Kitty Worthman. Sorry about the long pause there. And she is from Austria. And she tells a story. uh, You know, she says in her little thing, she says, you know, uh, I lived every minute of this. This is a true story. Uh, This is a story that you're not going to see in any history books. Uh, You know, she says, what I'm about to tell you is something you've probably never heard or read in your history books. Uh, I am a witness to history, and this is my story. 
and I'm going to read you this story. And this is probably going to be the most reading I ever do to you people on this podcast, so I apologize. But I really want you to listen, and I want you to think about what this woman is trying to tell you, what she is trying to warn the world about. Um, she's going to talk about how propaganda uh, changes the narrative sometimes to the point where it's easy to forget the reality of history because, you know, the old saying goes, history is written by the victors. And, you know, you're going to see a very real world example uh, of that happening in this story today. So here we go. Let's get to it. Uh, Kitty Worthman, in her own words. What I'm about to tell you is something you've probably never heard or will ever read in your history books. I believe that I am an eyewitness to history. I cannot tell you that Hitler took Austria by tanks and guns. It, that would distort history. We elected him by a landslide. 98% of the vote. I've never read that in any American publications. So that's how she kicks this off. She's the, Before she even tells you the story with supporting facts and ev evidence from her own experience, she's telling you people right out the gates, I'm an eyewitness to history. I cannot tell you that Hitler took Austria by tanks and guns. That would distort history. We elected Hitler by a landslide. 98% of the vote. And I've never read that in any American publications. So you be the judge. I'm going to continue reading about her story. You, you know, you can be the judge if uh, you think she's lying or not. Did she make the story up? Um, you know... Who knows? But uh, it, it's pretty detailed. And uh, for somebody who's making up a story, uh, I don't know. You be the judge. I don't know if I could believe that that's completely true. So here we go. Everyone thinks that Hitler just rolled in with his tanks and took Austria by force. In 1938, Austria was in deep depression. Nearly one third of our workforce was unemployed. We had 25% inflation and 25% bank loan interest rates. Farmers and business people were declaring bankruptcy daily. Young people were going from house to house begging for food. Not that they didn't want to work. There just simply weren't any jobs. My mother was a Christian woman and believed in helping people in need. Every day we cooked a big kettle of soup and baked bread to feed those poor hungry people. About 30 people daily. The Communist Party and the National Socialist Party were fighting each other. Okay? That's very important. Very important. The Communist Party and the National Socialist Party were fighting each other. Very important. Communists fighting professed socialists. Very important. Blocks and blocks of cities like Vienna, Linz, and Graz were destroyed. The people became desperate and petitioned the government to let them decide what kind of government they wanted. We looked to our neighbor on the north, Germany, where Hitler had been in power since 1933. We had been told that they didn't have unemployment or crime. I will repeat that. We had been told. Who do you think told them? Who do you think told them? The press. The media. 
We had been told that they didn't have unemployment or crime. No unemployment and no crime in Germany in 1933. Do some research, find out if that's true. And they had a high standard of living, allegedly. Nothing was ever said about persecution of any group, Jewish or otherwise. We were led to believe that everyone was happy. We wanted the same way of life in Austria. We were promised that a vote for Hitler would mean the end of unemployment and help for our families. Hitler also said that businesses would be assisted and farmers would get their farms back. <laughs> uh, 98% of the population voted to annex Austria to Germany and have Hitler for our ruler. We were overjoyed. And for three days, we danced in the streets and had candlelight parades. The new government opened up big field kitchens and everyone was fed. After the election, German officials were appointed. And like a miracle, we suddenly had law and order. Three or four weeks later, everyone was employed. The government made sure that a lot of work was created through the public work service programs. Hitler decided we should have equal rights for women. Before this, it was a custom that married Austrian women did not work outside of the home. An able-bodied husband would be looked down on if he couldn't support his family. Many women in, teaching, in the teaching profession were elated that they could retain the jobs they previously had been required to give up for marriage. Next, Hitler targets education, and he eliminated religious instruction for children. Our education was nationalized. I attended a very good public school. The population was predominantly Catholic, so we had religion in our schools. The day we elected Hitler, March 13th, 1938, I walked into my schoolroom to find the crucifix had been replaced by Hitler's, Hit, by Hitler's picture hanging next to a Nazi flag. Our teacher, a very devout woman, stood up and told the class, we wouldn't pray or have religion in class anymore. Instead, we sang Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice, and had physical education. Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice means Germany, Germany above all. Parents were not pleased about the sudden change in curriculum. They were told that if they did not send us they would receive a stiff letter of warning the first time. The second time, they would be fined the equivalent of $300. And the third time, they would be subject to jail. Sunday became National Youth Day with compulsory attendance. And parents were not pleased about the sudden change in curriculum. They were told if they did not send us to school, send the kids to school, they would receive stiff letters of warning, followed by fines, followed by jail. The next two hours consisted of political indoctrination. The rest of the day we had sports. As time went along, we ended up loving it. 
Oh, we had so much fun and got our sports equipment for free. We would go home and gleefully tell our parents about the wonderful time we had. The wonderful time we had at our new public schools. My mother, though, was very unhappy. When the next term started, she took me out of public school and put me in a convent. For those of you people that aren't religious, a convent is where women used to go or traditionally go, probably still go, to become nuns in the Catholic Church. I told her she couldn't do that, and she told me that someday when I grew up, I would be grateful. Here's a brief aside. Remember the story I told you guys about my grandfather whose parents bought him, put him on a bus out of Nazi Germany because they did not see positive things for him in the future. They did not think he would survive. That He eventually got his uh, little 15-year-old ass on a boat that sailed to the United States like many of your ancestors did. And this woman's story is exactly the same as ours. I digress. Uh, I will continue. Um, there was a very good curriculum, but hardly any fun in the convent. No sports and no political indoctrination. I hated it first, but felt I could tolerate it. Every once in a while on holidays, I went home. I would go back to my old friends and ask what was going on and what they were doing. Their loose lifestyle was very alarming to me. They lived without religion. By that time, unwed mothers were glorified for having a baby for Hitler. Also known as a baby out of wedlock. Sometimes that happened by rape. It seemed strange to me that our society changed so suddenly. As time went along, I realized what a great deed my mother had did so that I wasn't exposed to that kind of quote-unquote, humanistic philosophy. Humanistic's another one of those words that gets a lot of meaning attached to it, people. You gotta know what these terms mean. I'm not gonna go into it. I'm gonna let you, you know, your progressive left-winger friend will tell you all about what a humanist uh, humanist is. (laughs) I promise you that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, here we go. In 1939, equal rights, quote-unquote, finally hits home. The war started and a food bank was established. All food was rationed and could only be purchased using food stamps. At the same time, a full employment law was passed, which meant if you didn't work, you didn't get a ration card. And if you didn't have a card, you starved to death. Sounds a lot like the RFID chips that are coming, people. The ones that they want to implant in your arm that has all your money on it. Some people call that the mark of the beast. Some people say that that's all conspiracy theory and that I'm I'm a crazy tinfoil hat wearing nut nut job for saying stuff like that. But hmm, I don't know. I also, turns out, read, read my history. So, you know, your opinion is irrelevant to those that actually research. I continue. I digress. Women who stayed home to raise their families didn't have any marketable skills. Hmm, wonder why. And often had to take jobs more suited for men. Soon after this, the draft was implemented. It was compulsory for young people, male and female, to give one year to the labor corps. During the day, the girls worked 
on the farms, and at night they returned to their barracks for military training just like the boys. They were trained to be anti-aircraft gunners and participated in the Signal Corps. After the Labor Corps, they were not discharged but were used in the front lines. What does that remind you of? Being lined up against a wall and shot from the KGB story? Perhaps. When I go back to Austria to visit my family and friends, most of these women are emotional cripples because they just were not equipped to handle the horrors of combat. I like to call that the horrors of the real world. That line reminds me of you emotional cripples that let your media emotionally cripple you so that you cannot, you are incapable of handling the realities, the horrors of combat, of human nature. I know it sucks, people. It sucks, but this is just the way it is. You're not going to be able to run away from it. You might as well face it. The only way out is through, people. Three months after, I'm sorry, three months before I turned 18, I was severely injured in an air raid attack. Kitty got injured in an air raid attack. I nearly had a leg amputated, so I was sparked. I was spared having to go into the labor corps and into military service. So she That's hilarious. She got out of labor corps, which is pretty much slavery, slave labor, and she got out of military service, quote unquote, because she was fighting in a war and got attacked and almost had her leg amputated. Oh boy, that's, that's rich, that's rich. Okay, uh, the story continues. Hitler restricted the family through daycare. When the mothers had to go out into the workforce, the government immediately established child care centers. You could take your children ages four weeks to school age and leave them there around uh, the o'clock seven days a week under the total care of the government. The state raised a whole generation of children. There were no motherly women to take care of the children, just people highly trained in child psychology. By this time, no one talked about equal rights. We knew we had been had. If that isn't a cryptic warning to you people, you progressives, you lovers of, you know, godless culture where uh, being promiscuous is the way to be. What you see on TV is the way to be. You know, follow the, your, your, your famous people, uh, leaders, and do what they do, regardless of morality, regardless of decency, regardless of, you know, what keeps the, the fabric of society together, you know. All of this is by design, people, and it keeps happening. Those who do not learn from history are condemned to repeat it. So listen up to this stuff. I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. This is real life. This is not your TV propaganda media created uh, 
government written history book bullshit propaganda. This is real life. Healthcare and small businesses started to suffer under government controls. Before Hitler, we had very good medical care. Many American doctors trained at the University of Vienna. After Hitler, healthcare was socialized, free for everyone. Doctors were salaried by the government. The problem was, since it was free, the people were going to the doctors for everything. When the good doctor arrived at his office at 8 a.m., 40 people were already waiting. At the same time, the hospitals were full. If you needed elective surgery, you had to wait a year or two for your turn. There was no money for research as it was poured into socialized medicine. Research at the medical schools literally stopped. Literally stopped. So the best doctors left Austria and emigrated to other countries. As for healthcare, our taxes went up to 80% of our income. Newlyweds immediately received a $1,000 loan from the government, whoop-de-doo, to establish a household. We had big programs for families. All daycare and education were free. Yippee! High schools were taken over by the government and college tuition was subsidized. Everyone was entitled to free handouts, such as food stamps, clothing, and housing. Oh, what a wonderful little prison paradise. Sounds just delightful, doesn't it? We had another agency designed to monitor business. Oh, great. My brother-in-law owned a restaurant and had square tables. Government officials told him he had to replace them with round tables because people might bump themselves on the corners. Oh, we can't have that now, can we? When Then they said they had to have additional bathroom facilities. It was just a small dairy business with a snack bar. He couldn't meet all of these demands. Soon, he went out of business. Shocker. If the government owned the large businesses and not only small ones existed, it could be in control. We had consumer protection. We were told how to shop and what to buy. Free enterprise was essentially abolished. I'm going to pause right there. People, why was free enterprise abolished? Because it helps in fact, it is the only thing that helps the poorest of the poor of the poor in this world rise up and be able to self-sufficiently get themselves out of poverty and into an increased standard of living. Get this stuff, please, for the love of God, for you, for me, for all of us. Get it through your heads. The free market and capitalism is the best and only thing that you will ever be able to do or have that will increase your standard of living, period. We had a planning agency specially designed for farmers. 
The agents would go to the farms, count the livestock, then tell the farmers what to produce and how to produce it. Wonderful. Then, in 1944, mercy killing, quote-unquote, redefined. I was a student teacher in a small village in the Alps. The villagers were surrounded by mountain passes, which in the winter were closed off with snow, causing people to be isolated, so people intermarried, and offspring were sometimes, uh, she uses the R word, I'm going to call it mentally disabled or handicapped, uh, special needs. When I arrived, I was told there were 15 special needs adults, but they were all useful and did not, and did good manual work. I knew one named Vincent very well. He was a janitor of the school. One day I looked out the window and saw Vincent and others getting into a van. I asked them superior, my superior, where they were going. She said to an institution where the state health department would teach them trade and how to read and write. The families were required to sign papers with a little clause that they could not visit for six months. Hmm. They were told visits would interfere with the program and might cause homesickness. As time passed, letters started to dribble back saying these people died a natural, merciful death. The villagers were not fooled. We suspected what was happening. Those people left in excellent physical health and all died within six months. We called this euthanasia. You ever uh, research Planned Parenthood, people? I'm just going to leave that one right there on the table for you. And that's uh, up to you. Uh, this part of the story reminds me of the show Man in a High Castle. And if you guys have not seen this show, it's on Amazon. It's called Man in the High Castle. It's three, I believe, seasons, maybe four. I forget. Um... It's by Philip K. Dick, uh, awesome, psychedelic, uh, political, not political, um, um, science fiction writer, uh, wrote a, some awesome, awesome stuff. I think he did uh, A Scanner Darkly and some other awesome stuff. I mean, lots of stuff. And this, the concept of this uh, TV show, Man in the High Castle, is uh, this. it's set in World War II, and it, the story is what if... Germany and uh, Japan defeated the United States and actually took over the United States. And in the show, the West Coast is all owned by Japan, uh, all the way to, I think, the Rockies. Uh, and then everything around the Rockies in the mountains, there, there's like a neutral zone. And then everything else east in the country is owned by Germany. Awesome show. But um, that's actually, I don't want to ruin it for you, but, um, uh, you know, the Nazi government in that TV show. Um, has a similar program going on. So, <clears throat> you know, think about it. Uh, and then here we go. The final steps were gun laws. Next came gun registration. People were getting injured by guns. Oh, Hitler said that the real way to catch criminals, because we still had a few, was by matching serial numbers on guns. Hmm. Most citizens, <coughs> excuse me, were law-abiding and dutifully marched to the police station to register their firearms. Useful idiot fools. Controlled by propaganda and uh, force. Not long afterwards, the police said that it was best for everyone to turn in their guns. 
The authorities already knew who had them, so it was futile not to comply voluntarily. For you concealed carry permit holders out there, now they all know we, we, we carry. And that is scary. No more freedom of speech. <clears throat> Anyone who said something against the government was taken away. We knew many people were, who were arrested, not only Jews, but also priests and ministers. Anyone who spoke up. Totalitarianism didn't come quickly. It took five years from 1938 until 1943 to realize full dictatorship in Austria. Had it happened overnight, my countrymen would have fought to the last breath. Instead, we had creeping gradualism. I call that slow usurpations over time. Now, our only weapons were broom handles. The whole idea sounds almost unbelievable that the state, little by little, had eroded our freedom. After World War II, Russian troops occupied Austria. Women were raped, preteen to the elderly even. The press never wrote about this either. Why would they? When the press is pretty much owned by the ruling class and the ruling elites. They're not going to tell you anything even remotely true, accurate. Their job is to get you to go along to play the game. And to scare the crap out of you if you don't. When the Soviets left in 1955, they took everything that they could, dismantling whole factories in the process. They sawed down whole orchards of fruit, and what they couldn't destroy, they burned. We called it the burned earth. Most of the population barricaded themselves in their houses. Women hid in their cellars for six weeks as troops mobilized. Those who couldn't paid the price. There was a, mo a monument in Vienna today dedicated to those women who were massacred by the Russians. This is an eyewitness account. It's true, those of us who sailed past the Statue of Liberty came to a country of unbelievable freedom and opportunity. America truly is the greatest country in the world. Don't let freedom slip away. Because after America, there is no place to go. I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, that's, uh, here's another little thing she wrote. Uh, I don't know if I covered this. If you remember the sound of music, the Von Trapp family escaped over the Alps rather than uh, submitting to the Nazis. Kitty wasn't so lucky. Her family chose to stay in her native Austria. She was 10 years old, but bright and very aware, and she was watching. I like that. 
She wasn't old enough to vote in 1938. She was approaching her 11th birthday, but she remembers. Um, now, <laughs> uh, I posted this entire story that I just read to you on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast Facebook page. So if you want to go uh, copy and save it for yourself, uh, please do so. But if you are the type of person that just listened to me read that entire story to you and you cannot see the parallels between what happened back then in, in the 30s in Nazi Germany and when Russia uh, annexed Austria, when Germany annexed Austria, if you can't see the crossover to how they did it and their methods when comparing this story to what's happening in the United States today, right now, then you're going through life with blinders on, having tunnel vision. You're you're not you're not in the same world. Your 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 brain's in a parallel universe of I mean, you're completely plugged into the matrix and are incapable of getting past the cognitive dissonance. I mean, it is it is ridiculous. The idea is ridiculous to me that that you cannot hear me read that story to you and see the warning clear, very clear. This stuff is coming, people. It's going to happen in the United States of America because the media and media manipulation and propaganda is that effective. And remember the fast-talking guy in the previous episode that said, you know, these guys were brought from Nazi Germany who ran the most amazing propaganda campaigns and they, they brought it to the United States. They gave them safe haven. And the saga continues to this day. And I'm sorry if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't really care. Because the more I read and the more I try to find proof that all of this is conspiracy. And the more I try to find proof, actual evidence that this is conspiracy, I keep finding the opposite, people. I keep finding the fact that it's true and it's real. And the people that are trying to tell you that it's conspiracy are the people who are doing it. I'm going to take a break and I will be right back with some punk rock. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <clears throat> All right, welcome back. Um, so, <laughs> with a story like that, I was just talking about Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice, Germany, Germany, above all. It's time for some dead Kennedys, people. California, Uber Alice. California, above all. <laughs> Jelly Biafra is about to sing about being your fear. <laughs> Yeah, tell me this doesn't theme up nice, huh? 
I love the beginning of this video too. The following material contains violent imagery taken from actual everyday life. This program could be offensive to those individuals who prefer not to deal with reality. <laughs> the time has come, people. Politics and punk rock podcast. It's time for the Dead Kennedys.
Talk about a punk rock band that gets it. The Dead Kennedys. With California Uberalis. California Uberalis. If you don't like that song, I'm going to post the lyrics on the blog section of my website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Read those lyrics. <laughs> Jello by Afra got it. Hey, by the way, if you guys have never seen Jello by Afra talk about censorship and media, uh, you know, the whole Tipper Gore thing, you guys remember back in the day when Tipper Gore tried to say that, um, God, what are they talking about? They're on some talk show, and Jello by Afra just owned this lady, just made her look like a fool. Very smart, very articulate guy. And I'm going to have to look that up and play it. You know what? I'm going to go look for that. I'll be right back. Okay, uh, I found it. So this clip is from The Oprah Show. Um, I forget what year it was. But this was the year that, you know, Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore, went on a big uh, censoring lyrics of musicians. Um... You know, you guys think censorship is some new thing. No, this happened in Nazi Germany. It happened in the 80s. It happened, it's happened forever. It happened in the 60s, 50s, forever. I love, I love you people that just, believe, just refuse to believe that this stuff has ever happened. Okay, here we go. Here's some more proof. Listen to what happened to Jello Biafra, the lead singer for Dead Kennedys. Listen to what Tipper Gore, with her state power, with her ability to move force against people. I mean, this even happens in the United States. I mean, I always say socialism and communism are force. Yeah, but you get the wrong leaders in charge in the United States and it might as well be some type of totalitarian dictatorship because state power will win. Like Bill Hicks always says, they'll smash your door in, they'll kick you in the face. They don't care. They have an agenda. It's not about you. But hey, listen to this. Listen to Jello Biafra plead his case. Listen to what Tipper Gore had done to this man just for his art being revolutionary and being punk rock and being middle finger in your face of the state, of the man. Listen to this. <laughs> Jello Biafra was taken to court a couple of years ago uh, for the album Franken Christ by um, the Dead Kennedys. Well, what we're seeing here is uh, what I see as a false controversy. It's rap music and rock music is being cast as a Willie Horton poltergeist type figure in order to advance the agenda of the religious right backers of Tipper Gore's organization, the PMRC. In my case, I can relate to NWA's song about the police because after my record, Frankenchrist, was blasted by Susan Baker and the PMRC in Variety, two weeks later, nine police officers, three from L.A., six from San Francisco, broke a window by my front door, stormed into my house, tore the place apart like you'd see KGB people doing a, t a TV movie or something, went through my address book, page by page, comparing names, and I sat there on a chair with a bathrobe on with two cops with their jackets zipped right up to about here so they might be packing a gun, circling around me like sharks. It was a subtle form of rape in a way. And then after a year, about, what was it, two months later, charges were filed against my record. 
A year and a half later, it finally came to trial. Three weeks sitting in a courtroom in Los Angeles watching lawyers argue over not just the supposedly explicit insert by an Academy Award-winning artist from Switzerland, my lyrics were put on trial. Lyrics! blow-up was brought in and was gone over by experts line by line. In the end, the jury did not agree with the allegations of the PMRC. Jury. They deadlocked 7 to 5 in favor of acquittal. Real quick, before he tells you that he was acquitted, Tipper Gore's on the stage with him. So she's like sitting there struggling. Like visibly shaken by how <laughs> by how eloquent and how intelligent Jello Biafra is. Her opinion of rap and rock musicians during this time was not good. She was defending the religious Christian right, who at the time were somewhat fundamentalist. There's a happy medium, people. You can't be too far left or too far right, because this is the kind of stuff that starts happening. The government, you start giving government total control, and all government know, knows what to do is force. They're evil. They're going to seize on opportunities. Okay, here we go. Jello continues. But after the trial in the paper called the, the Metro in Nashville, Tennessee, Tipper Gore was asked about my trial and said, quote, I'd like to take credit for it. I accuse you of trying to destroy my career and ruin my right to Looking right at her now. And, and for being operating as a front for people like Jesse Helms, Phyllis Schlafly, in order to drive the arch-conservative wedge into the mainstream. Rabbi Cooper, if you think public enemies got problems against Jews, wait till you meet the organization endorsed in Tipper Gore's book. Like the Back and Control Center. The Back and Control Center is a group of cops from, I believe, Orange County who send manuals to police departments and to parents claiming that, among other things, the Jewish star is a symbol for Satan, that high-top tennis shoes and black clothing can be a sign that your child might be turning to heavy metal and should therefore be deprogrammed. If a kid shoplifts and becomes involved in a gang, then, well, it must be the music's fault. To me... Practicing fraud like that to the point where doctors who used your video in a Milwaukee hospital told a kid who was treat who came in to be treated for clinical depression that his Iron Maiden T-shirt was the problem. That to me is the real child abuse. Mm-hmm. Tipper, no. Tipper, let you Thank take. you. Okay. No. Before I continue, I'll play a little bit more of this just so you guys can hear Tipper Cor- Tipper Gore run her mouth. But and you can quote me on this, people. Jello Biafra is. Punk rock. First of all, that's a very bizarre rendition of what my group is about. We are not right-wing fundamentalists. I happen to be a liberal Democrat. We have two coalitions. Why do you speak at Phyllis Schlafly function? Okay, one at a time. It's simply not true. I happen to be a liberal Democrat. I work with Republicans and Democrats on this issue. We have one coalition with the National PTA who advanced the idea of record labeling so parents would be alerted when there was graphic material. I don't know if that helps, though, because I, I don't know if that helps or hurts, because I think kids, when they see the label, they want it even more. Okay, so let me finish. Yeah. much work for that, He has labeled a lot, he's leveled a lot of charges. We also are supported by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Why? Why are parents and teachers and doctors concerned about graphic lyrics in young children? There's a reason for that, and there's a reason to, and there's a way to deal with that with respect for freedom, we had nothing to do with the problems that you had. 
We want to educate people to that. We want to educate. That was not an paper. accurate quote. All right, I'll pull it out. This, this right? He literally here. pulls it out of his back, of his uh, jacket pocket. Have you what ever been misquoted by kind somebody? Of an, what kind of an example are you setting for your own children when you yeah. lie on national I'm TV? I am not. I am. Right here. What about Joe Biafra's obscenity trial? Quote. I'm literally reading it out of the newspaper. But it doesn't mean she said it. Because, believe me, because it's you, written, it doesn't mean she said it. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. You can be... I've been misquoted, and I'm sure you've been misquoted before. That is really not the issue. The issue is how do we deal with graphic material, lyrics, detailing rape, artwork that shows rape that Guns N' Roses has, when it's marketed aggressively to young children at a time when many of them are at risk in our society. There are many kids that are growing up without a lot of adult guidance. There are many kids without that adult have, guidance. Um, problems. The National Mental Health Association. Government's raising a generation of children. Hmm. And you think the music contributes to more of the problem? I think the music always sets a tone for a generation. But and we is, have to be aware. The question, though, Tipper. Doesn't the music reflect what's already going on? It's the conditions in society. The music reflects what happens. It's not the other way around. It's not a We're not looking up anything that's a fantasy. You see. All right. So they now now all the other people on the stage who are probably you know the experts on whatever psychology and you know whatever uh, are going to try to start chiming in here. And Jello's just sitting there kind of smiling through Tipper continuing to talk about this. But just think about that, people. They've been trying to science silence musicians, silence free speech forever because it threatens the status quo. It threatens those that have the power to do stupid stuff like Tipper Gore with her PMRC. I mean, she would not have been able to do that had her husband not been Al Gore. You know, people, you got to think about these idiots that you guys vote into office that, like George Carlin says, people, they do not give a fuck about you. In fact, if they can step on your face and invade your home and use your story or, or you know, or... or be, you know, in some type of a publicity stunt photo shoot that just gets them a little bit more column inches, a few more, uh, you know, a little bit more ad space. You are disposable to them. The more power you give to the government people, the more, you know, it's only a matter of time before they use that power to stomp on your heads. Jello Biafra, I, I mean, I do not have, I cannot even say how much respect I have for that man put go, going on TV. And you know what? Maybe he was embellishing a little bit. Who knows? I don't know the whole story. But my point is, is that that argument is as old as time immemorial, people. The government is going to sink to lows you never thought were possible uh, in order to get what they want, in order to take control of populations, end of societies, end of story. That's it. That's it. I'm going to take another break. I will be right back. All right. So I want to end today. I want to end this episode today. Uh, I kind of want to get back to what I was, that story I was telling you about uh, Kitty, our friend Kitty at the beginning of the episode. Um, and it reminds me of that story, her whole story. 
and the story of Nazi Germany reminds me of another quote that I'm sure a lot of you have heard quite a bit. Uh, I think it's pronounced Martin Niemöller is the man's name. Uh, he lived from 1892 to 1984, was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany. He emerged as an outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler and spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in a concentration camp. He is perhaps best remembered for his post-war words. And here they are. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. People, you got to have courage. You got to find the courage. You have to find it in your heart of hearts to do what's right and to stop being such a coward. You have to develop yourself so that you can make fruitful use of your freedom. And you got to find the courage to speak out and to teach others and to challenge your elected officials, challenge the authority in your life when you suspect that they are not all that they claim to be. You got to be more discerning. You got to be more skeptical. You got to learn this stuff, and I hope you do. I love you guys. Send a request to Andrew for America Comedy and Commentary on Facebook. Check me out, Andrew for America, on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com, uh, or send me an email at andrewforamerica1984 at gmail.com. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.